0: Greetings, P56 podcast listeners, and welcome to Episode 8 of the podcast. This episode represents a very cool milestone for me. Today, I'm bringing together multiple guests from multiple locations for what should be an engaging and insightful conversation about our airline system today. As a quick reminder, all of the recording, editing, and production of the podcast has been self-taught, so this is a welcome new challenge, and I apologize for any mistakes in advance. In the airline world, the vast majority of pilots that work within each company have organized themselves into unions, which collectively represent and bargain with each airline's management regarding things like work rules, pay, and other elements of working life. The largest and arguably most well-known of these unions is the Airline Pilots Association, or more commonly known by those of us in the industry as ALPA. Joining me today are four leaders from ALPA's national organization. David Farmer, Camilla Turrieta, Justin Dayhan, and Candy Burnscotter for a conversation about the Union, its role in the industry, and what the Union is doing in these turbulent times. Each of these four leaders serve as part of ALPA's national-level professional development group, which is tasked with enhancing the professional development and well-being of all current and future ALPA pilots by promoting, fostering, supporting, and securing a sustainable career path in the aviation industry. David Farmer is a captain of the A330 for Delta, has over 30 years of ALPA volunteerism, and currently serves as the chairman of the leadership committee. He's a former representative at the local council level and at the airline level on its master executive council. Camilla Turietta is the chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee, and she currently works as an airline pilot with JetBlue Airways flying the Airbus A320, A321. She holds a variety of FAA pilot certifications, including an Air Transport Pilot Certificate with type ratings on the Airbus A320, Boeing 737, and Embraer 170 and 190. She's also a certified flight instructor, aircraft dispatcher, and unmanned aerial system pilot. She also holds a bachelor's degree from Vaughn College specializing in aircraft operations and a master's degree from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University with specializations in aircraft accident investigation and human factors. Additionally, she's also pursuing a doctor of education degree focusing on higher education and adult learning from Walden University. Camilla and David, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you We also have two more guests on the podcast as well. We have Justin Dayhan, who serves on the steering committee for the ALPA Education Committee and as a liaison to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. He's a first officer for FedEx flying the Boeing 757. He started doing ALPA volunteer work while he was flying with PSA Airlines as part of the National Education Committee and also works with universities, particularly Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach and serves as a pilot mentor for FedEx as well. Our last guest is First Officer Candy burns And Candy serves as the ALPA National Membership Committee Chair, representing over 59,000 pilots at 35 airlines in the United States and Canada. Candy began her professional piloting career in 1998, flying for several cargo and passenger airlines, including ATA and Vanguard. She was hired by FedEx in 2004 and is currently a Boeing 777 First Officer. She holds type ratings for the Boeing 737, 757, Fifty Seven, Seven. 67, Boeing 777, MD-11, and SA-227. This year, she was appointed by the Secretary of Transportation to serve on the Women in Aviation Advisory Board for a two-year term. We've talked about this board before with previous guest, Dr. Rebecca Ludi, but as a reminder, the purpose of this board is to develop and provide independent recommendations and strategies to the FAA to explore opportunities for encouraging and supporting female students and aviators to pursue a career in aviation. She also works with the International Federation of Airline Pilots Female Pilot Working Group, which works to help assist female pilots with improving their work environment through the development of policies and exchange of information. These guests guests on the podcast today have an incredible amount of experience and I am excited to have all of you on today. So first and foremost, welcome everyone to the podcast again. Thank you for joining me today. So I hope everybody's doing all right where, wherever it is that you're calling from. The first question that I have for the group actually goes to my good friend Candy. A brief overview of ALPA and what the organization does. Uh, How many member airlines and members are part of the organization and what is its mission?
1: Well, thanks, Martin. As of today, which is December 9th, 2020, 35 airlines in the United States and Canada are in Alpha, representing over 59,000 pilots. Of those 35 airlines, 16 are Canadian. And I say as of today, um, because we've had several airlines join ALPA this year, and there may be more to come soon. ALPA is the largest pilot union in the world, and we're also the largest non-governmental safety organization in the world. ALPA provides safety, security, and pilot assistance through our air safety organization. ALPA provides representation, which is defending our contracts and duty of fair representation, And ALPA is also great in advocacy, which is our governmental and legislative affairs departments. Uh, We have pilot volunteers and staff that work on Capitol Hill, ensuring uh, safety programs and regulations become law. And that's it in a nutshell.
0: I know that ALPA represents a significant amount of different operational needs for the organization as well as for its membership. And each guest that's on the podcast today brings a unique set of experience. I'll go ahead and start with Candy. Uh, Can you briefly share what role the membership committee has within ALPA and the aviation system as a whole?
1: Yeah, uh, membership really does two main things. New hire briefs and onboarding when a pilot's hired at an ALPA carrier. um, We tell them about ALPA and what we do and who we are. And also, direct member services. So we do everything from maintaining um, accurate membership records, educating members on available uh, membership services, and that could be um, benefits or discounts, things like that. We support families with um, resources um, related to major life events uh, through our family issues group. That's um, a collection of documents about things like adoption, child care, elder care, family medical leave act, and more. We also provide assistance to furloughed members through our furloughed pilot support network, and also to our military and veterans through our Veterans Affairs Committee.
0: Hmm. Fantastic. Some very good work all around representing the membership. David, can you talk a little bit about the Executive Leadership Committee and what that group does?
2: Uh, Yes. Uh, My committee focuses really kind of on the people that are part of the governing body of the the organization of ALPA elected representatives. So, and they wear several hats. Uh, It could be on the local level, let's say Delta, New York, uh, pilots are elected in that base and they represent the pilots at that base. And then collectively at the airline level, they would join, and again, at Delta, whether it's Salt Lake, LA, Atlanta reps and work on issues for the airline-specific group. And then on the broader picture, uh, airlines, they get together with representatives from all the alpha represented airlines, whether it's Spirit United, FedEx, Alaska. Then they get together and work on governing issues for that. So what uh, our committee does is make sure that they, when they get elected, that they uh, know the responsibilities and then obviously help them learn um, how to handle that job.
0: Fantastic. Another, another good group of work. Uh, Camilla, can you talk a little bit about the diversity and inclusion work that you are currently undergoing as the chair of the President's Committee for Diversity and Inclusion?
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Martin. And I just wanted to highlight that you know, the reason all four of us are here in the podcast is because we all belong to the professional development group, the PDG at ALPA, which is made up of obviously education, diversity and inclusion, membership and leadership. Uh, diversity and inclusion is the newest national committee under a presidential order by Captain Joe Pete. So as the chair of ALPA's Presidential Committee for Diversity and Inclusion, better known as the PCDI, my efforts alongside those of my committee members is to ensure that all members feel respected and that future generations of airline pilots from all walks of life and backgrounds, regardless of their race, their gender, their gender identity, religion, sexual orientation, you name it, they feel that the pilot and profession is accessible to them. As a committee, we are striving to continue to strengthen relationships with existing organizations such as the Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals, better known as OBAP, the National Gay Pilots Association, NGPA, the Latino Pilots Association, LPA, and others to help us achieve our mutual goals. We also look for new opportunities to connect with young people who may never have considered the piloting profession, such as myself, as an attainable career. And we work closely with the Education Committee to achieve that.
0: All of that work is incredibly important, uh, especially as we move forward to uh, creating a more inclusive aviation system as a whole for everyone, not just pilots. So I thank you and commend you for that work. Uh, Lastly, Justin, you've done a lot of work with the Education Committee. Can you talk and share a little bit more about the Education Committee and what its purposes are and what it does?
4: Of course, Martin. So the Education Committee Uh, It's big purpose is to promote the piloting profession and basically the future of the profession. Uh, We have a very broad range of areas that we cover, from outreach at universities with our flagship Alpha Ace Club program, which is the aviation collegiate education program we have at several schools around the country, uh, as well as going to presentations, uh, as Camilla mentioned, such as Women in Aviation, Oshkosh, basically anywhere that we can get out and help promote this profession to others is where we try to get involved as the education committee. We do a lot of school outreaches, all the way from grade school up until the college level. Uh, and in fact, for 2019 to 2020 school year, we reached out to over 23,000 students and over 130 different schools. Uh, and the main purpose is with bridging that gap between learning how to fly, being a student, to becoming a professional pilot. Uh, I was part of this as a student, and I went through the Alpha ACE Club program as a student and saw how important it was and how helpful it was by taking it from the uh, collegiate level, the education level that you learn in school and in flight training and helping to get me prepared for becoming a professional pilot in the airlines. So our goal is to bridge that gap, help promote the future of the profession and make sure that our cockpits continue to be uh, staffed by well-trained and very uh, smart individuals that are knowledgeable so that way one day when you know, I'm a captain, Candy's a captain, we're flying alongside with somebody who is well-versed in the industry.
0: I think that's very important. The better we can educate students early on, the more prepared they will be for their professional careers. So commend all of the work that everyone is doing uh, in that space and in all of these different spaces that you are involved in. Uh, This next question is another one for Candy. ALPA obviously is a federation of individual pilot unions at each airline with its own structure and leadership. How does ALPA National assist these groups with representing their members?
1: Yeah, well, as Dave mentioned, um, his leadership committee uh, trains the local reps and officers. um, But ALPA also trains uh, committee chairs and the volunteers as committee members. Our trainings and conferences are often attended by non-ALPA airlines and other industry workers because they are recognized as the gold standard. Our national committee chairs also assist local chairs. I know for example, local pilot assistance or a jump seat chair will get assistance and help from the national pilot assistance or jump seat chair. How we do this in membership is we offer uh, a membership seminar. It's Usually in person, not this year, of course, (laughs) but that also includes military and veterans affairs chairs. And those chairs come um, to meet in person, usually at our offices um, outside Washington, D.C. And we have presentations. They get to meet staff they learn how the job works and what resources are available but i think the most valuable part of those seminars is the chairs getting to know each other and meet in person and develop a support network so it's not just about the national chair helping local chairs we're all sort of in one big group and we can learn from each other and best practices and have each other to go to when there's an issue or a question
0: i can imagine that it's not uh, or that it's it's certainly sometimes challenging to potentially kind of corral all of the different groups. So, Kudos for the for the work that you're doing with that. Candy, I've got another question for you. And obviously today we find ourselves in incredibly unprecedented territory with regards to the economics of the airline industry, workforce needs and safety as well. Can you chat a little bit more about what ALPA and in particular the membership committee is doing today for its members and the airline industry as a whole?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really big question, a really big answer to that question right now. We have under our membership committee the furloughed pilot support program. It used to be sort of a sleepy little program. We kind of kept in the ready because the industry has really been good um, really before COVID for the 10 years prior. However, with COVID, everything has changed. Captain Drew Everett at Hawaiian Airlines is a member of our committee, and he's the coordinator of the furlough pilot support program. So um, FPSP, that's a really not a very smooth acronym, but the furlough program, we'll just call it that, has resources not just for furloughed pilots, but any pilot affected by a downturn, maybe loss of pay due to cutback on flight hours or a downgrade from captain FO seat, um, things like that. So, our Alpha Furlough webpage is absolutely amazing. Um, we offer uh, free webinars from Cage Marshall in over eight different topics. Um, those are everything from resume writing for a non pilot job and job applications to stress management. Drew wrote a checklist series for individual pilots, but also for those local unions to help them, guide them through the process of a slowdown, a furlough, or even unfortunately a shutdown. If you weren't aware, three Alpha Airlines did cease operations in 2020, um, Trans States, uh, Compass, and ExpressJet. And those checklists help those leaders and those individual pilots with resources and information. We also keep a jobs listing page for members. Uh, where we vet pilot or other aviation jobs to those seeking employment. The page has info on um, insurance, whether it's health insurance, um, how to file unemployment, other financial resources. There's info on furthering your education. ALPA has partnered with four different accredited colleges and universities for those members seeking to complete their four-year degree or even add a second degree. Uh, One program, an associate's degree program, is 100% free, and it's also available to family members, which is fantastic now. Most of our kids are going to school online anyway. Why not go get an associate's degree for free? There's also info on there about wellness and health and well-being to help deal with the stressful times. The furlough pilot program is offering um, live webinars to um, local unions. We call them master executive councils or MECs. And those MECs can host um, a webinar for their furloughed pilots. And Drew and I get on with other subject matter experts to help um, those pilots answer their questions and let them know about our resources. Uh, we hold a monthly call for um, member airlines to talk about anything new or updated that we're doing um, and get property updates from those airlines for us. And the last thing we did was we mailed a, a paper postcard in the snail mail. I know it sounds super old fashioned, right? But we mailed a postcard with our resource information on it because we wanted the families to have something and know what we were doing. The families don't see our, our emails, they don't you know, get on our calls, those kinds of things. And our family support is so important right now. Plus, they're going through a lot of stress as well, and our resources um, might be able to help them too.
0: That's very good to hear that these opportunities and these resources are available to members, and it's something that unfortunately we, well, we hadn't had the chance to think about. But it's very good to hear that everything is has kicked into gear and that support network is there. That might not have been even known about or thought about for a very long time. So uh, kudos to to that group for the work that they're doing and for the resources that are available and that can be taken advantage of. Camilla, I have a question for you. ALPA obviously continues to be involved in initiatives to make the industry more representative of our communities at large, even through these kind of troublesome times of economics. But can you share a little bit more about the work that's being done in this area of diversity and inclusion? Sure.
3: So as I mentioned earlier, we're one of the new committees. So over the summer, we finished our strategic plan, which outlined and gives an and it's providing the path that we're gonna take for the next year and the next couple of years at Alba. So the we hope to illustrate um, the path with that strategic plan to a more diverse and inclusive membership. The strategic plan and what we're focusing and working on covers three separate areas. And those three separate areas are to ensure leadership support cultivating and supporting an inclusive workplace and encouraging diversity in our future workplace. So in order to ensure that ALPA leaders support our current and future endeavor, it's equally and so essential for the PCDI to educate them in different tactics to understand and implement supportable diversity and inclusion strategies within our union at both the national and local level local level in our master executive councils, the MECs. Secondly, cultivating and supporting an inclusive workplace enables us as the PCDI to promote a culture that maximizes the talent and skills and the diversity of our ALPA members. And lastly, in order to encourage a diverse workplace, as I mentioned before, we're going to be working with the education committee and it's really to develop various ways to secure the future of aviation, assisting the Education Committee with different outreach and support for our youth, including those who might not think that a career in aviation is is attainable. So we have a lot of work to do within these three major focus areas. We have a variety of different goals that we want to achieve. So thankfully, we have the support of our ALPA president to continue to push these initiatives forward and diversify our workplace.
0: There's a lot of need for that, and there's a lot of, of great work going on. So I'm, I'm happy to see that that work continue. David, the next question I have for you is for is for you. Uh, how important is the training component for new representatives at Alpa? In particular, I one of the things I saw a lot when I was teaching and working with students was a kind of there was an awareness of the organization, but not as much of an awareness of the opportunity to get involved. So, how does the training component work? And as new members have come in, how have you seen that training kind of change in those modules that you use over? The years.
2: Yeah, hey, thanks, uh, Martin. I would say with any business or organization, training is essential for success. Uh, you know, for an elected rep uh, representative, you have to know what your duties and responsibilities are. And as an elected rep, you you're, you cover the entire spectrum of what a union does. And I kind of break it down into what does a union really do and that's negotiate contracts enforce the contract uh defend the member uh under that contract and then i call it promote the profession and just for some of your listeners you know negotiate contract what does that really mean and uh we do collective bargaining um as you said we're a federation so the uh, the, the Delta pilots would negotiate a contract, uh, the United pilots would do something else that may be a different priority. So negotiate a contract is a very vital function. And then enforce the contract is, okay, the, the, you agree that your airline agrees to um, work within certain rules and issues arise, whether it's scheduling or pay issues. And so uh, a member of your airline wants to have your rep You as a rep, you would have to say, help them uh, figure that uh, issue out. Defend the the members every now and then. We've got some type of discipline issue or, again, a pay issue, and you want to step up and help your member there. And then promote the profession. Uh, ALPA has the biggest uh, engineering and air safety non-government organization uh, in the world. And so... Uh, you, you need to learn that, okay, whether it's uh, runway overrun procedures or a new instrument landing system or uh, trying to get secondary barriers to better protect the flight deck are all things that collectively the airline pilots do and that elected representative is part of that greater uh, goal. So those are really the areas that the duties and responsibilities are of elected reps. So what do we do? The leadership uh, committee is tasked to, uh, to train that. And so we hold a, a three and a half day uh, conference every year, and we cover every aspect of, their, of what's needed and through interactive uh, presentations and actually uh, role-playing. And so when they leave the conference, you know, they feel confident that they can represent their pilots and their airline effectively. And if needed, they know the contacts from the national organization or the international organization, who to call, who to contact in case it's it's a bigger issue than they, they feel they can uh, handle. So that's the main uh, portion of the training. And then you kind of ask what's kind of changed over over the years. And as you probably uh as said, is I've I started the airline business in 1985. I'm the old guy on this uh, podcast. You know, again, 35 years in the airline industry. Uh, you know, I started when I was an elected rep. It's hard for you to believe, but we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet. And so, how would we communicate with our members? Is we would send out a newsletter um, through the Alpa Print Shop. And yes, on the old uh, office in Herndon, Virginia. We actually had a dedicated print shop that uh, was staffed probably with 20 people, and we would mail out a newsletter. And people that would receive those, pilots, would say, oh, I got something from Alpa. It must be important, and I'm going to read it. Well, where are we today? Email and Internet's great, but I would say uh, our members are bombarded every day with emails and post from a variety of sources, whether it's the next Best Buy promo, their Amazon tracking information, their favorite news feed, or Facebook. But in somewhere, Alpa's message and Alpa's important information is lost in, in the mix. So what's really changed for us is communication. And uh, I would say uh, how to communicate with the members effectively is what's changed over over the years. And with the I call it conflict of in the old days, uh, again, somebody would read that newsletter and give you a call at home or come to a union meeting. Now they would post something on on the Internet or on Facebook or some social media. And then since it's an open platform, there would be a lot of responses, most of them not correct. And and so you have to keep up with communication since it comes from so many different sources, which makes I call it negotiating a contract more difficult because there's some people with one issues. Uh, they don't understand the whole process. So anyway, long answer is uh, that's what we do as far as training. And then what I've seen over over the years is the communications and negotiation processes. So we focus a lot more on that today than uh, we did years ago.
0: It sounds like there has been a, a lot of unique changes. And I know that from the recruitment side and from the university side, the, the prevalence of forums and Facebook groups and things like that, it must be a sometimes difficult thing to manage all of those new and interesting and sometimes, or a lot of times, unverified sources of information. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to say the Especially,
2: least. Yeah. In this day and time of uh,
0: 2020. <laughs> well, that's great. So thank you for the work that you are doing. The next question I have is for Justin. As we kind of switch and look towards future ALPA members, because there are many that listen to this podcast and that are out there. What is ALPA doing to engage with its future membership that might be enrolled in universities and flight schools? And in 2020, how are you doing this in a virtual environment?
4: So... In 2020, it's, it's definitely changed a bit. So I'll start before that and then kind of discuss uh, what we've done to kind of migrate to today's uh, world that we've been living in for the past 12 months, basically. Pre-COVID, a lot of what we did was in person and we really strived uh, to take care of that um, as best we could by going out to as many meetings as we can send a volunteer to. We like to say we have the largest volunteer group through all of ALPA and that's because we have so many members across the country that will send us an email and say, hey, my student is having a fifth grade, bring your you know, parent to work day and I wanna talk about being an airline pilot, what do you have? So for meetings as small as that, they can be extremely impactful and we're able to provide certain resources, whether it's presentations, we have some uh, giveaways that we can send for students that vary for age, age group and what they can use, everything from a cardboard airplane cutout to maybe an airplane style uh, pencil. And then all the way through different uh, university levels where we actually have established programs with set guidelines and kind of a set curriculum. And it's almost like an extra class. And in fact, one of the schools that we go to out in uh, Prescott, Arizona, has managed to get a class credit for students that will attend an Alpha Ace Club. So this really encourages uh, students to get out, learn about our job and continue to move and volunteer through the profession. Most of our students that go through one of the 12 Ace Club programs come back around to volunteer with Alpha in various different roles. That's really great. Um, on top of that, we do other large uh, events such as Oshkosh, the big air show in Wisconsin every year. Last year, we had a, a huge booth. Um, we had a tent where we would have people come gather in the evening where we'd reach out to everybody from current members and encourage them to go out and support the profession to future members as well as talk about uh, future members uh, to come and join us. So in addition to those events, as we go into 2020, this is where things kind of have changed. And some of the initiatives that we put into place uh, previous to this year have turned out to be a major help. Uh, We have a website for the Education Committee called cleartodream.org, where you can go on and read bios and get information about what it's like to be an airline pilot, what it's like to fly for a regional airline, a cargo airline, do... Overseas international flying. Uh, And this is catered to people to go on and get information, uh, which is a big help. As Camilla had mentioned before, we are trying to show a lot of people that this is an attainable profession. And oftentimes this is a great resource for new students or parents to stop into to see how their student can attain this profession, whether that be by going to school, maybe going through a military piloting program, uh, or just learning a little bit more about the job. 2020 has proposed a different uniqueness in that a lot of, uni- a lot of our events canceled this year, unfortunately, uh, such as the Oshkosh Air Show, several other air shows and conventions we go to, uh, as well as universities closing down and universities opening back up, but with very restricted access to in-person meetings. Uh, We have tried to tackle this kind of on a school-by-school basis. Uh, In Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, Daytona Beach, we've worked closely with the school to follow their guidelines to resume in-person meetings. Uh, Unfortunately, though, this is, of course, a smaller group that we're allowed to meet with and less personal interaction than we were before. Some schools have gone to uh, virtual meetings, whether that's through Skype or Zoom. Uh, which has proved to be very resourceful because we are now able to get pilots that in the past logistically was hard to get. Um, For instance, if a pilot is on a layover overseas and we wanna do a virtual meeting, we now don't have to figure out how to get them there on their day off. So it's actually provided a very good opportunity for us to adapt and provide some more content than we were able to provide before. Uh, Some of the things that David had mentioned as far as social media has actually helped our committee in particular mainly because we're dealing with the younger generation that's more involved with social media. So our ACE clubs have Facebook pages for the local schools. We do outreach that way by posting different videos, sharing links about what Alpa is doing, other events in the profession. So we've been modifying it to work with 2020, but we look very forward to being able to return in person uh, so we can engage the members and also the future pilots directly.
0: Great. And I know that there are presences at many campuses across the US. Uh, if there are alumni that are interested in starting an ACE club at their campus, or if there are universities that are interested in starting an ACE club, where should they go for more information about that?
4: So the best place to go for that would be our website, uh, which is www.clearedtodream.org. And it will have the information about which schools that we already have a formal presence at. And uh, basically what that means is we've signed an agreement with the university and we have a set number of meetings we will come and do. It's, It's just a way to formalize it. But we do meetings at different schools as well, and it has information about how to start an ACE club, how to do a meeting, and the resources that we can help provide to make that happen. So whether you're a student looking to get into flying or you're one of our current members that wants to go do an outreach event, ClearTodream.org is the best place to start for that. It has all the information for whichever avenue you'd like to take towards this.
0: Perfect. Thank you for sharing that information. Hopefully we might, might even catch a few bites out of that. So thank so. you very much for sharing that. Thank you. The next question is for Candy. Candy, what advice would you give to someone who may be new to ALPA and hopefully will have some new members in the coming years? But for those that get their first airline pilot job or that might be coming on to an alpha carrier for the first time, what recommendations and advice would you give to someone on how to make the most of their membership and their representation within the organization?
1: Yeah, thanks, Martin. That's a great question. As a new hire at that airline, I recommend they sign up for a mentor. Um, They should hear about that um, either during their ALPA new hire brief or even from the company. uh, Mentoring programs are at most airlines now, and they are going to be required by the the FAA. So an airline, if they don't have one, should have one soon. So whomever does the, the program, whether it's ALPA, the company, or a combination of both, sign up for that mentoring program. I mean, you mentioned, in uh, Justin's bio he is a mentor at FedEx so he might be able to speak more about the value of the program but you get assigned a pilot that's not only just been at the company for a little bit but they're trained um, to know what the resources are and, and and going through a timeline like okay now you've done training expect this with your schedule or you know now we're bidding for vacation and how does that work and that's really the best way to kind of see what's going on and to kind of get your get your feet wet at the new airline a lot of pilots think oh I flown for another airline, or I've been at another Alpha carrier, or, oh, I have friends here, they'll help me. But it's really not the same as a formal mentor who has that training and background. Another thing they can do is just to stay engaged. There are so many ways that Alba communicates. We have Textcaster, where you sign up for texts, and each, each airline's different, but like at FedEx, I can get text reminders, or a bid closes, or if um, something, a a new bid opens, like a a, a seat bid where you can all change or or upgrade or change airplanes, important security information will get texted, a jump seat alert, stuff like that. Read your emails and the ALPA website and our magazine. And I think the most valuable tool is our app. The ALPA app has information on um, jump seat policies at all the airlines, not just ALPA airlines. And also, the lo- location of known crew member. <laughs> That's huge for pilots. Known crew member is um, the program actually that Alpa partnered with, with the TSA and um, the airlines. So, pilots and flight attendants go through um, different screening, the passengers are not standing in line or even kind of cutting in line in front of passengers, which is always really awkward. So, uh, all that information is in the app. And I know that seems like a lot. Oh, there's texting, there's emails, there's website, but you know what, ALPA offers a lot. And then once off probation, I recommend a pilot volunteer for a local committee, Um, depending on their background, interests, or skill set, They can um, work with their um, local officers to find what's available or where the openings are. But um, a great place to start is a committee ALPA has at most airlines called P2P. It means pilot to pilot, and it's really a communications committee that those pilots are trained to kind of get the information of what's going on. And then as they go out and fly trips and are in the crew room, they have sort of the current information about everything happening. And that's a that's a great place to start.
0: That definitely sounds very all-encompassing and, and a lot of information. And uh, actually, I will kind of Put the spotlight on Justin a little bit. I know, Justin, you did some work with ALPA at PSA and are continuing to do work with ALPA at FedEx. And I know a lot of students that are out there and a lot of regional pilots that are out there as well that are looking and and plotting out their next steps. Always ask, what do I need to do to prepare myself for the next step? Did you feel like your work with ALPA helped prepare you to move up to the role at FedEx that you have now?
4: I absolutely do think it helped me. And I think even when I was a student, uh, when I tried to get involved and follow what Alpa was uh, doing and involved in, helped me uh, get to where I am today. It showed me essentially a, an over, an, a big overview about what you need to do, whether that's how to keep the app you know, updated, talking to other people and learning their story about how they got involved and how they got to the position they're in uh, and moving up that way. When I started uh, at PSA, uh, I'd never had an official role with Alpha before. And I, of course, had always hoped to move up to a major carrier FedEx someday. Uh, And when I was working there and doing my Alpa work, I got to meet so many good people and just learn about their story, learn about how they got to that position, what they did, how they prepared themselves. So that helped me essentially mold myself to be able to make that that move, make myself the marketable person to move on when the opportunity arose itself. Uh, But one thing that I will always say – Candy mentioned when you have an opportunity to get involved with Alpa to do it. I encourage everybody I talk to to volunteer for some position. If you have the time, you have to do it because you wanna do it. Never, you know, in my opinion, never in this industry do it because you feel that you need to do something to move on, to move to the next place, to get a new role. Do it because you want to. Uh, I can tell you everything that I've done with Alpa Uh, As well as a lot of my good friends, we've done it because we want to be involved in it. That's when you will do the best work and that's when it will get the most recognition is because you feel like you want to do it. If you have to do it, it's going to just feel like another job. So make sure if you want to volunteer with Alpha, that you do it. If you don't want to, there's other avenues to get involved in that can also help the professional development.
0: I think that's that's a great perspective and a great point and I, I do know from the outside looking in but also knowing quite a few folks that have have taken advantage of the different volunteer opportunities that it's a huge there's a huge amount of opportunities That meet any number of interest for individuals that might be flying, and as regular members of Alpa. So that that's good encouragement. That that's good information to have. So thank you for sharing that. The next question I have is for everybody. And Justin, if you want to keep talking, I'll go ahead and uh, throw this question to you first. How do the various different alpha committees, so in your case, it would be the Education Committee, work with the national officers, other committees, and each individual airline's MECs to achieve the goals and initiatives set out in the organization's strategic plan.
4: So I I will happily keep talking. Uh, everyone Born on this call that I know knows that I like to talk, so I'll <laughs> be happy to keep going. So it depends, uh, of course, on the committee, and everyone will talk differently. Some national committees will be a little bit more involved with their MEC, which is the Master Executive Council, it's essentially, and we'll break it down for people who maybe aren't too familiar with how that works, is you have Alpha, with the president, president of the United States. Then you have the MECs, which are essentially the governors of the airlines, which are like the states. So your involvement with your particular MEC is going to depend on your goal, what you're trying to accomplish in your committee. Uh, With the education committee, we have worked closely with various MECs. Um, over the years to provide some of these members opportunities. For example, uh, JetBlue, we've managed to work with the JetBlue MEC, who in turn worked with their management department to help get our students at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona uh, into JetBlue's training facility for two days, where they'll go for a day of ground school and a day of full motion simulator uh, to see what it's like to go through airline training. With FedEx, a few years ago, we worked with the MEC, who in turn, of course, worked with the airline, Uh, that was able to arrange a tour of the FedEx hub and sort facility for one of our university programs. They drove a bunch of students down and they took a huge day tour of our awesome facility out there in Memphis of our super hub. So our involvement is to work with the MEC to figure out how we can provide more opportunities for the students in this particular role. Uh, And again, we've worked with MECs from all the regionals to all the major airlines I can think of, we have gotten people into Delta's training. United Airlines has actually uh, flown up a couple of our students to go tour their ops facilities. And this is all things that work closely with the great relationship that we have between the national committees, the individual MECs, who then use their relationships with their airlines to help promote this future. Uh, It's good all around because, I'll just use my airline for example. Um, If FedEx is able to provide that tour opportunity for a student and the MEC is able to help facilitate that with the management team, well, that might mean that we might have someday some educated, great group of pilots that come through and are enthusiastic and already know about the airline. It benefits everyone all around.
0: Fantastic, and that's a great pathway. It's a great way to catch everyone's interest. So that's great. The same question I'd like to give to Camilla. How is the Diversity and Inclusion Committee working with the national committees, national officers and MECs to achieve its goals and initiatives in the strategic plan?
3: Well, it's really important for the listener to understand and visualize that Alpa National has a wide variety of resources available to help members and The way that I put it is we use the power of collaboration to achieve common goals across the association. I must say that our backbone at ALPA National and even our ME and including our MECs is the ALPA staff. They are responsible for helping all committees navigate through the various moving parts within ALPA. And just like Candy mentioned, you know, there's so many resources for members. It's in as a new pilot or as even a, a seasoned pilot, it's how do you find this information? But our ALPA staff, their dedication, their passion really allows us to, one, get to know each other. And, you know, that's how I met David and Candy and Justin. And also work collaboratively with our elected leaders and members to achieve those common goals that we have and define tasks that will enable us to better support and serve our pilots. So it's that power of collaboration that really drives the gears, um, both at national and the MEC level.
0: I will throw it over to David. How does the committee that you represent and serve as chair of uh, work with the national officers to achieve its goals and initiatives?
2: We work uh, with the national officers again we, our our annual conferences we you know what do we focus on at this year's meeting and we basically look kind of look back at the other at the year in terms of, mainly collective bargaining, but some other issues and say, okay, where's the focus? Where are representatives or airline groups having trouble? You know, one example was uh, called building consensus. You know, it's it's a difficult process. Not everybody gets along, you know, how to how to debate an issue versus the uh, debate the person. And so we've added, you know, modules on basically, you know, how to debate Properly, in some groups, some groups do it better, better than others. And again, I mentioned social media uh, is, as an official representative of the airline pilots' association, there's legal issues that you can get in trouble with if you say something. So we've, we've added stuff like do's and don'ts on on social media and and what you should or shouldn't say or maybe you should back away from. So we've evolved over time through the national officers, and then we're fortunate. That uh, since these elected reps uh, are part of the over the bigger group, the board of directors that meets every year, uh, we actually interface with them and and say, hey, how was your training? What did not we not spend enough time on or what hit you blindsided when you were in office? Uh, What could we have done better on? So we get feedback there. So we are always constantly evolving. And then that works into the strategic plan for uh, the upcoming year.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that information. And last, uh, but certainly not least, to answer this question, Candy, how does the membership committee uh, work with the various different facets of ALPA to meet its goals within the strategic plan?
1: Yeah, well, we uh, definitely work with Education Committee the most and D&I. We all go to um, those events together um, that Camille and Justin have mentioned. You know, we'll have an information booth for ALPA and education's there to meet future pilots and membership's there to meet our current pilots and let them know what's going on at ALPA and what we offer. I can't believe no one said this either. Our jobs can be really fun. Of course, they're, they're volunteer positions, but we go to events and have fun. We hang out together and have fun. So when we talked about volunteering, getting involved, it sounds like work, but, and we do, and we do a lot of work, but I think we have a lot of blast together. And I went on that tour, Justin mentioned at FedEx, and I was just an escort. I didn't have like a speaking part or anything. And that was the funnest two days I've had in a long time. Cause on day two, we got to go to, to the machine shop and the composite shop where the mechanics make the airplane parts because as you know, you probably can't call it McDonnell Douglas and get an MD-11 part, doesn't exist anymore. So they make those and I just, it was just so much fun to see that. And one of the pilots that was on that tour now works at FedEx and he wasn't a FedEx pilot then. So I I know the program works.
0: That's really awesome, and that's great to hear. Well, I want to take a moment to thank everyone again, and I have one last question, and it's the same question that I ask for every member of the podcast that, uh, or every guest that comes on the podcast. So we'll start with Candy again, since you just started, or since you just talked, I'll, I'll start with you again. Candy, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the aviation industry or the airline industry, what would you change and why?
1: You know, this has got to be the hardest question you're asking me today. (laughs) Um, Obviously, uh, I take COVID away only because of all the stress and problems and watching, you know, and trying to support people going through some of the toughest times. So I guess that would be my magic wand. We'd go back and and we'd not have this happen to our industry or, frankly, the whole world.
0: Understands and agree. David, what would you uh, change if you could wave a magic wand?
2: Uh, this is uh, goes back to, again, I, I'm close to retirement, so I, I kind of look back. Deregulation was in 1979, and we're the Airline Pilots Association. If we could have looked forward to today, for there, is I would say we would have done better in the scope area. Scope is usually Section 1 of collective bargaining, and it's really who flies your passengers, right? And again, I'm a, I'm a Delta pilot, so some of your podcast members might be surprised that you're a Delta passenger, but you might not be flown by a Delta pilot. You might be flown from... Uh, Skywest or Endeavor uh, from one point A to B, and you might fly a Delta airplane uh, from B to C, and then you might fly a China Eastern from E to F or whatever it might be. I would would I think it would have solved some of our labor issues today. Is if we could have been C uh, in the future enough? Is that to kind of limit? Is it? One airline, if you're flying a, a passenger, uh, they should be part of your working agreement. So you're a Delta pilot. And if you fly, you should be a Delta pilot from flying from A to B to B to C to D to D to E. Uh, so that's uh, kind of a big picture. It's a big issue that's has bit evolved for over 30 years, close to 40 years. So that's a big magic wand. Uh, I don't know sure how to put the uh, genie back in the bottle, but uh, that's what I wish. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. As someone who's a student of history, that's a very interesting idea and a very interesting thought to make. So something to definitely ponder over the the what ifs and what may be. I will ask Justin, what would you change if you could wave that magic wand?
4: So if I could wave that magic wand, I wish we could go back a little bit and make this seem a little bit more attainable to people that want to get involved in aviation. And that stems from a lot of the outreach that I have done. Uh, as well as the time I spent flying people, I would have plenty of adults, middle age, older, that would come into the flight deck, come up to Oshkosh and say, I wish I knew I could have done this when I was younger. I would have liked to get into this career. Uh, I think we are slowly getting that way, as Camilla had mentioned, with diversity and inclusion, as well as with education. It's getting out there that this is something you can do. And I wish that's something we would have tackled before my time, so we could have gotten all of those people that want to be involved in this great profession involved. Those are the types of enthusiastic people that would make this career better. And if they knew how to tackle it, see the pathways, been essentially, you know, targeted how to go through it, I think we would have seen a change in how we are today as a whole career and have a lot more enthusiastic people involved in the profession. So if I could go back and change one thing, it would be to show everybody that doesn't think they can do this, that they can, all the way from the adult that maybe wants a career change to someone who looks at an airplane but thinks, I can never figure out how to do that.
0: That's fantastic. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. Last and certainly not least, uh, Camilla, if you could uh, wave a magic wand and change one thing about the aviation industry, what would it be?
3: If there is one thing I would like to change is to provide a lens to those individuals that do not believe in the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, that it's it's an important factor of who we are as an industry. Although a magic wand wave and is immediate change, as the chair of the PCDI, I understand it will take some time. And those efforts that will take time will come in the form of outreach, education, awareness. And I really do believe that through those methods, we'll be able to close those gaps that exist in the industry.
0: Fantastic. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, that's all the questions that I have for our fantastic guests today. Uh, David, Camilla, Justin, Candy, I want to take a brief moment to acknowledge and thank you for joining me and taking time out of your incredibly busy schedules and particularly for those that are uh, doing flights and scheduling around flights right now. Uh, I know Justin went to bed at 7 a.m. and woke up just in time to record for us. So I want to take a moment to thank you all for sharing these insights, for sharing this information with everyone, and continuing the work that you do to move the aviation industry forward. It's It's been fascinating to learn more. It's been fascinating to hear the work that you're doing. I've learned some new things, and hopefully our listeners will be able to learn a few new things as well. Uh, so First and foremost, thank you.
4: Thanks so much for having us on. It's been great. Yeah,
1: thank you, it was Martin. Fun. Thanks,
0: Martin. More information about ALPA, its services for members, as well as other various different pieces of information about what the organization does can be found by visiting www.alpa.org. ALPA can also be found on social media by following WeAreALPA, all one word, on Twitter, and at WeAreALPA. Underscore R underscore Alpa on Instagram. If you're interested in the history of the organization, they also host their own podcast titled Flying the Line, which can be found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may find your preferred podcasts. If you are a student interested in the career in aviation, please feel free to visit clearedtodream.org, which has more information about the pathway to a pilot career. Additionally, I also want to thank Marie Schwartz from ALPA's staff for assisting in setting up the guests for this podcast and making sure that we had a lot of interesting and unique topics to discuss. As always, you can reach the P56 Podcast and myself by going to p56podcast.com at P56 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, P56 Aviation Podcast on Facebook, or by sending me an email to p56podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and we will chat soon.